It's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 68, recorded Friday, November 2nd, 2012. Trick or treat, Splunk 5.0 is complete. Yep, we'll be talking about Splunk 5.0. We've got some new faces, voices, chat, segments, and a brand new season. Splunk Talk is back. I gotta have more cowbell. Splunk Talk is back. Yeah. Episode yeah. number one of season number three. three. We're, we're now wow, doing seasons. Believe. I know. Like wow. last year we did seasoning on ribs. But now we're actually right. doing a season of our show, which is back. We should call it three. Uh, we should call it seasoning number three because we're helping Splunkers become seasoned at doing Splunk things. Or maybe that I'm a seasoned citizen. I yeah. guess. Oh, I don't think we should go that far. No, no. I did okay. turn forty-two recently. Wait, hold on a second. Who, who, who is that? who is everybody here? Yeah, that was the new voice. Wait, first of all, who's that uh, dulcet tone right there? Is that Maverick? What is that? That's me. It's Maverick. That's right. What's what's your story? My story is I live in Plano and I've been here almost six years at Splunk. Um, and this is my uh, third episode and I helped to come up with the idea of Splunk Talk. That's who wow. I am. Hats off to you. Thank you. <laughs> are you. Who are you, Mr. Uh, my name is Michael Wild. I live in Austin, Texas. I uh, work in the CTO's office at Splunk, and I'm wearing a Splunk wristband right now. If you didn't know, there are wristbands available. I want one. I want uh, because one. I, there's a lot of sweating going on at my computer, <laughs> and I need to keep the keys free of the awesome sweat when I flex. And you know what? Um, I heard a third one, though. A third there's a third voice. voice. Kind, of, kind of with echo. Like a, is it a voice of reason? I don't know. It, logic. It is. It is not the voice of reason. Mm. This is Corey, and I am the Plano office. But I do not do. I do some stuff with Splunk, but I would like to kill zombies. Uh, Corey McClure, zombie killer, and yeah. support. Are you a support? Are you a support manager? I believe that I am. Wow. I believe it too. Sometimes. Wow. So we have Maverick, who's who manages a sales engineering team for Inside and and part of our enterprise team. Our enterprise team. That's Corey, right. who manages to do God knows what <laughs> support like people. he manages and wild manages to just sort of really put in an extra effort every single day for you. So. Wild manages to get up in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I, I was about to say that I did. Um, and I am fully dressed. So that's a good thing. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. That, yeah. I would like to see a picture. Eventually when we get video, I might have to change things and uh, you know, um. Anyways, CTFO, man. yeah. All right. So Splunk Talk. Uh, for those of you who are brand new to the show, uh, it's a little podcast we've been doing for a couple of years, and we usually talk about what well, we do things like questions and answer. Right? We do Q and A. Yep. Uh, news. What did we learn? We're gonna add some new topics or segments this uh, week and uh, the coming year. But what happened? Um, let's see. When this episode comes out, it might be. Maybe the second week of November. What happened on when was it? October thirty first, or was it the first? What it was like the second? No, no. Or, today's the second. No, no, no. October thirty first. Oh, did it come out on Halloween? Halloween. Trick or treat. 
Trick or Splunk 5.0. 5.0. What are we calling that? 5.0. 5.0. 5.0. Why? What are you calling it? I like to call it 5.0. Okay. okay. That's what I thought. I like to call it 50 divided by 10. Oh, that's, that's not a bad right. way. That's right. So, so what is in this? What, I mean, what's the big deal? 5.0, that's like a major release. I mean, we had a press release and everything. So we do press releases. Big deal. Big deal. Yeah. We, we release. Um, we release software. We, we release press. We release other things. So Splunk Talk, Splunk, Splunk Talk is getting released. So 5.0, um, let's have a little chat, if you will, about some of the new oh. features that are in 5.0. And, you know, the major things that are in 5.0, um, wait a minute, how do you find out about this? Well, first you go to Splunk.com. There's a big green download button. Yes, you all know how to download. You probably did it a few minutes ago. But if you go to that download page and click the release notes, there's, it'll take you to a page called Meet Splunk. That's meet as in M-E-E-T. Although right, not, not really. I've been spelling yeah. it wrong. This Although I, I did buy, uh, I went to Whole Foods yesterday, bought a lot of meat, making a pot roast, got some kebabs, uh, and some <laughs> bacon. So speaking of meat, but meat 5, Splunk 5.0, index replication, report acceleration, does PDFs really well now uh dynamic drill down modular input some really cool developer stuff uh and so much more we're just taking to a whole nother level yeah whole nother level. so let's yep. let's have a little chat about some of maybe your favorite features or features that you think that people should be aware of i'll go first I'll no go first. I know. really yeah no i don't want maverick maverick always gets to go first on something that's because his name starts with an m and yours starts with a c oh yeah okay got it you, you know how that makes sense so <laughs> yeah no i want to talk about the, re the report acceleration i think that's one of the coolest parts but there's some there's a little few things you got to be kind of like aware Whoa. of about it but is this a caveat well, before you talk about the feature no, no, no. I'm okay. just setting, that, setting it up because I think that you need to talk about both. But I think that so the feature actually is it's really cool. It's like having an easy button or a fast button, if you will. Right. So when you bring up your search, you can actually um, you can actually click the click. The, it's like a radio button kind of thing. You click it and it actually will speed up your 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 search uh, performance. Um, and it's it's pretty it's pretty freaking awesome. Awesomely fast. And um and I think we've needed it for quite a while, especially for some of the searches that I know I have to do, and some that I've showed my customers before how they uh, how they've asked uh, ha asked for this kind of feature. Um, you, you know, of course, you know you can do summary indexing. I mean, we all talked about that before, right? You have this whole idea of having searches that run in the background very regularly, like in some kind of a regular interval, like every hour, every day. You know, doing a search, letting it run in the background, so to speak, and then kind of capturing the statistically into a summarized version of just the just the statistics that you want in your report or the type of data that you want in your report and that therefore you know if you're doing one every hour then you'd only have 24 things to search over instead of maybe potentially 24 billion events to, to search over so of course it's much faster um, so this is sort of like doing that summary indexing but it's kind of like all in one shot when you need it on your search and uh, it even does a uh, backfill I think too um, um, automatically it detects uh, whenever whenever you have a, a, a gap in the data, it'll actually go back and, and fill that in. And other people can take advantage of it too if they have similar searches, very similar to the ones you're writing. Splunk is aware enough to know, hey, this, you know, Mary already did this, so now Joe's going to get to take advantage of what Mary 
of the acceleration that she that she actually pushed the button for for that search. It's it's so that's pretty that's pretty positive, pretty cool. I think I'm very excited about about that. I'm glad that we uh, that we offer that. It sets us apart from again, just like most of our features, again farther ahead from anything else out there, even close to coming uh, close to doing this kind of. Uh, uh, this type of, uh, of capability. Yeah, something I think re really, and the reason why report acceleration is needed is, you know, Splunk serves a number of use cases. It serves the ad hoc find a needle in the haystack use case. It serves um, an analytics use case over short term and then also over long term. And there are different approaches when you're searching and finding data to do that. I mean, you can start with making a report over the past 15 minutes. And in previous versions, if you wanted to have that report run over a year, you'd have to do something called summary indexing, which you had to set up, which is not really something that an average user can just do. So like right. Ma my, uh, Maverick said, is, you, know, you go to create a report like you're used to, maybe it was over that 15 minutes, and you click accelerate, and you can choose the amount of time that Splunk is going to store that really summary. Why is that awesome? It's going to do all that work for you behind the scenes so that when you load up that dashboard it's just going to go bloop pretty much yep. done fast and it's and, and it's and it's really fast yeah and now 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 the 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 you have to make sure though that you know you realize you have to pipe to a charting command it only it is called a report acceleration correct. not search acceleration correct <laughs> so don't get the misnomer that oh i can just any search i do i can just accelerate it has to be a reporting command like a chart time chart uh um stats um, that you know, the, just the three or four like that, and in chart in chart command. Um, so um, so you also have to be aware that anything that comes before that pipe to one of those three or four reporting commands has to be what we call streamable commands, right? Streamable commands meaning it's something that's done in the stream. So like if you have a transaction command before the charting command, that won't that can't be cannot be accelerated because transaction command is not streamable. For example, um, but things like eval and regex are streamable, um, uh, in, a, in a few others, and we have it all listed in the documentation. You can look it up and see the list of all of them. Um, and then also the other cool thing is after the charting command, you can have um, any kind of any command after that that you want after the charting command, and that will be um, considered uh, acceleratable as well. So. Just some little interesting cool. to, things that keep keep keep. Uh, uh, top was the other one. I'm sorry, I missed that one. Top is the um, I knew I, I I usually use stats for it, and I don't use top as much because I use stats count. Mm -hmm. But um, top top also is is a is a is a command that you can pipe to, and it can be accelerated. Yeah, well. I mean it's pretty much anything where you're going to display a visualization, which is really cool. Um, mm -hmm. Here's some here's something that is totally boring. But, but much needed is clustering. Uh, or we call it index replication, really. And so in the past... Why don't we call it clustering? Um, Why? Because it's not doing clustering, really. It's really not doing clustering, per se. I mean, um, it's replicating data. Um, I mean, it has it has a very similar effect, but sometimes... One, for example, might look at a database cluster and they have a cluster manager to manage the whole thing and you really hit the cluster and that system takes care of figuring out which database you end up going to. But technically, the goal here is to make your data more resilient um, or failure resistant, really. I don't think there's anything as failure proof, but you know, provided you have enough 
resources to put behind your data, uh, you can get pretty good here. So if you think about it, what would you need to do? You would need to have multiple copies of your, let's say, indexes or the data that's in Splunk. You could do this in the past on your own, but it was kind of kludgy and not necessarily um, easy to manage and sort of um, you weren't aware of what was going on. If In the past, you could just duplicate the data and clone it to two servers, but that's... You know, that's fraught with peril. So the nice yeah. thing is um, you have two things. You can think about um, uh, there are a couple of factors. One of them is uh, searchability, and the other one is sort of retrievability or something like that. And so um, when, we, when you create an index uh, in Splunk, we store a bunch of metadata in the raw events. Let's say you have a use case where you just have a, a DR site. And if something goes offline, you don't really need to have it back right away. Okay, so you can actually yeah. replicate the index and, and, and not have the search stuff. Okay, so all the little buckets where the index is stored can end up in that DR site. And then if you need to get them back, like sometimes you might, you can run some commands and actually kind of rebuild what's there, which right. is nice. So you can maybe, maybe you have a replication factor, that's what it's called, a replication factor of, you know, three. So maybe you make three copies of the data. But you might have, let's say, a searchability factor of two. So it's a new thing as well. You can say, I want three copies of the data, but I want two of those copies searchable. That, what that really means is your search head becomes aware. So this is a distributed search feature. Your search head then becomes aware that there are um, other indexers as a part of this master you know, secondary slave type model where um, if one goes offline, the search head is automatically going to search that other node. And it kind of, like I said, it's a really boring feature because it's not like you walk up and go, ah, it's resilient, right? Yeah, but, you know, but, it, but it's really <laughs> beneficial, though. Um, it really is beneficial, especially if you don't have, um, a, you know, if you have cheap storage but not expensive storage, right? So you can pick, you don't have to have, you can use commodity type. Um, yes. Storage for these other indexes, especially yes. if you keep it in what the, what the, the like you said, the searchability factor is two, but you have a, a, an index uh, replication factor of three, the third or four, and the two, three, or four, the extra ones could be the lower cost storage just because you don't intend to search on it. You just can't tend it to be like the backup ready to go in case you do need to turn it into something that's searchable later in case of a, of a failure. Yeah, the, it's definitely a, definitely a cheaper way to set up you know, our quote unquote clustering. Yeah. You're not, I mean, that's one of the things that, that we were actually pushing for is more of an HA type environment, but still trying to save cost. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing is if you're getting, if you're getting to a point where, you know, you have your two sort of hot, you know, hot machines that are replicating data all the time. And basically how that happens is data is indexed on your sort of master, and then each bucket is copied all the time over to the other server. Well, if you're making a third copy in really cheap storage, do remember that when you go to rebuild that, you're on really cheap storage and cheap machines, so the performance it, 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 will it, it, probably be crappy because you're putting it on crappy hardware. But, you know, you are... But it's... but it's You have bigger problems... Yeah, you have bigger yes, problems. Better, and I think that I think it, it's a good compromise. And most uh, of the customers that we've beta tested with are more than happy with it to know that it probably is never not really going to have a problem 
anyway. Right. Splunk is such a reliable tool, and they'll, you know, anyone I'll tell you, anyone will tell you that's true. And uh, but just in case it's something that's out of your control, at least you have the the solution. It's much easier to maintain. And as as we know, some of our Splunkers don't have huge groups or teams of people managing. IT. Some some cases you just have one or two people doing everything, so it just makes it more manageable too. You got to remember that. Benefit. It makes it manageable and usable, so that's cool. Uh, like yeah. I said, super boring, but uh, very valuable. Look at that. Very that was yeah. very valuable. Okay, awesome. So Corey, what do you got? Is what what do you think is what's, is, your, what's your favorite one? Yeah. Well, my favorite one so far is the the rabbit. I have to go with the, the rabbit. rabbit. What we have put a rabbit inside of Splunk. Hmm. What? So when you are on the search app and you are doing just ad hoc searches, you can actually control how much data you get back and how fast those searches will run. And so for a person like myself who doesn't use a lot uh, or doesn't do a lot of charting and reporting, just just doing searches on the fly, there's a rabbit. And it's called the fast – it's the fast version. It turns off field discovery for, and – Oh. It doesn't do a bunch. Of, it doesn't bring back more data than what you where need. Where do we kind of a high level? Over where do we find that thing? Where's that thing yeah. located? That is right above the, right above the, the uh, time picker. Time time picker. Thank you. And it has looks oh, like it has a couple okay. of different modes too. Version, huh? There's also another version too. Where you can do verbose where it brings you back everything. But if you ever look at the search inspector, you can actually tell a huge difference in in time on how fast those searches will actually run. Right. So, so the verbose one should be called the wild button, probably. They went with wild, but no. apparently it did was they, they veto, vetoed it. No, actually, the smart one is the wild button. Fast uh, okay. is Corey, verbose is Maverick. Let's get that right. We'll put a, a data right, dictionary right. out there. <laughs> because, you know, I've said this for probably two years now. When you download and use Splunk, it is the most inefficient it can possibly be. Yep. Out of the box, the way we install it so that you can see things nice, quick, lots of pretty things and fields, it is as slow as it could possibly be. Unless, of course, it was your backup version on a really crappy server. So the reason why, you know, the reason why Corey likes this uh, is because um, when he wants to just find data with no fields, he can just click that rabbit button. Or, you know... um, when you're doing uh, when you're doing uh, regular search, maybe you want field discovery to actually happen. So fields are yeah, yeah. Right. Not everybody needs visual reports. Right. Some people just want, a report is just some results that come back that are filtered very well that have the things that they're just looking for only in the in this and it's like their own custom log file version of just of all the you know uh, log files that are merged together in their search. They just want to get the few things that they want left. Here's the best way to understand this mode, okay? So verbose is we're going to do field discovery, right? We're going to find every single field. We're going to do MapReduce on it. We're going to create reports, and you're going to see charts on the left-hand side on every field and every event. We're asking Splunk to do the most work possible. Smart mode or fast mode is we're not going to do any field discovery enter. So if, if Corey wants to just find the word dude in some, I don't know, trouble tickets he's indexing, it'll just find them. He's not going to be able to say, you know, top dude, okay, because the field doesn't exist. Smart actually is a combination of both of those because um, 
An example would be take some web data, just pipe it to, let's say you're looking at access combined, pipe it to top URI. What it's going to do is then discover only the URI field, then summarize it, and then report on it, which is really what most people want. So, it's like eco. It's like eco. It's mode eco. It's eco car. friendly Splunk. Eco so. friendly. No, no, it's eco mode. Like you eco boost, you click the eco, and it's kind of a hybrid. It's between. ego boost is what In it your, is. <laughs> okay, for you, ego for you, that's true. <laughs> okay, so we've got some things coming up uh, for the new people on the, oh, the yeah. show. We usually kind of talk about upcoming events in Splunk, you can go over to splunk.com slash page slash events. Why it's not just splunk.com slash events. I'm not the guy to answer that. I, <laughs> I got to put a plug in Does, for November 13th. I got to do one. Can I do one? You can go for it. Dallas, Texas, right here. Dallas, Texas, Dallas. Splunk Live, November 13th. Will there be a mechanical bull? There, oh, every Is it at Gillies? Have, we'll have Mickey Gilly playing the piano. Is there a Gillies there. in Dallas? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yes, there is in the city of no. Yeah. In, no, it's not in Dallas. No, it's in Rockwell. Ah, nice. Um, mechanical bull. We're gonna have uh, rodeo clowns. Everything. It's gonna be great. I and, know you. Uh, you guys are gonna be there. So we're gonna. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to give that away yet, but was the catching the grease pig thing? Was that still on the board, or have we voted that? I believe off? it's there. I think we have one of our customers actually leading that effort, but we'll find Splunk out. Splunk Live in, well, we got Splunk Live in Dallas. Yeah. We got uh, Gartner in Spain. I'd mm-hmm. like to go to the Spain. That'd be cool. Coming up in, well, that's like next week. This episode will probably be out by then. Uh, Splunk Live in Frankfurt on Tuesday, November 13th. That wasn't too bad. <laughs> I don't know. Not bad. Uh, Splunk Live in Vienna. You know. The hippest Splunkster in the world is, what's uh, Siegfried? He has got to be there. Dude, is the hippest Splunker in the world. Um, Siegfried, by the way, uh, is the guy who wrote the Google Maps app. A um, bunch of big data stuff coming up. Uh, Maverick and his team have a weekly web demo. So if you're using Splunk, and you want to show what other people do, and you don't get paid to demo Splunk every day. You just get paid to do a real job. Send them over to that demo. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. I think he just burned you, Maverick. No, not you. No, I mean, no, you, the listener, me. bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, there I mean, are he, plenty of opportunities to burn Maverick. Yeah, we can. Got pl- I was going to say, you, I have set myself up all the time for that. But um, no, yeah, we do that. That's we, we, why you we, want we, off the show. That. That's right. It's right. No, I don't want off the show. Who said that? I don't want off okay. the show. You said, no, I did not. I did not. I never said I wanted off the show. I said I wanted to introduce one somebody from my team that is uh, wanting to be on the show. Whoa. And I said that one might be okay to Pump the have brakes. On. Pump the brakes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. All right. So st- new stuff coming up. We have, let me pause for a second, not for a fart, but just for an insert, some sort of sound, sound clip. Okay. Um, Ooh, Cisco Live, January 28th to February 1st. All right, we're moving on to the next segment, though, um, which is fine. Uh, Maverick, you know, we get a lot of, in the past two years, we've done some really effing technical discussions, right? Uh, yeah, I will agree with that. I think that our listeners like that. That's why they keep downloading this podcast, so they want to get to the meat of stuff. They don't like a lot of fluff. But what about new, like guy, new guys and gals? Is there anything well, we can do to help them? I don't, 
I don't know. I'm thinking that perhaps we could have maybe a new segment or something to maybe do that. Right. Bring them into the fold. They're new. We can't just all be veterans of Splunk, knowing experts and everything about it. Right. As so, a matter of fact, some. I think even the, I think even the, the smallest tricks and tweets, something like that. Is that what you're talking sure. about? Little things that even veterans might not know. So let's go. Every couple of weeks, we'll change the topic list up, but um, noob tips. So, one that I thought was kind of good was mouse clicking. You know how to mouse click, right? Ooh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I so, go to the doc, go to this URL, bit.ly slash Splunk mouse clicks. That's going to take you to like the getting started page. And it will be difficult to find, but just search for the letters CTRL or control, and it'll get down there. Um, what happens, Maverick, when you click on a term? What does it do? In the, in, the web, uh, in the web UI for Splunk, and you bring up some events, and you see an event, like failed password, and you click on the word password, what happens? Well, it acts as like a filter button because it'll add that word up into your search and kind of add it to the end of your search as if you typed it in you know, by hand, and then it'll rerun the search at that point, uh, therefore filtering on that word that you clicked on. Right. When you click on it, it's an implicit and in the search box, mm -hmm. right? So, that's, hey, that's maybe you searched on uh, login, and then now Maverick just clicked on password, and now you have every event that has login and that has password. Cool. Correct. Okay. What, um, what if you wanted to, let's say, just you know, replace the search term? Let's say, Corey, if you clicked, how, how might you... Let's say you had... You had a, um, you had login, password, you know, events that match login, password, and now you really just wanted anything that was an event that had the word failed in it. How might you do that? I believe you can do shift click. Shift click. Ah, so this is kind of interesting. Little tiny nuggets that are in there. You hit the shift button, then you click on a term, and it wipes, it wipes out the current search, right? Erases it, yeah. Erases it, it, updates it, okay. Uh, Erase and replace. Fortunately, right. the back button now works in Splunk, so if you mess that up, just hit the back button. Now, one that I use all the time. Um, so when Maverick said, if you click on a term, it does an explicit and, but what if, for example, I'm, I got my login password, or actually, you know what? Maybe I'm already at Corey's search, and I'm just looking for any time the word says failed. But I see some events there, and one of them says you know, debug. Maybe these are debug events. And I want stuff that failed, but I don't want things that have the word debug on them. On the different platforms you have, um, there's a sort of a different hotkey. So on a Mac, if you hit the Alt or Option button, they're the same button, okay? Uh, and then you click on a term, let's say um, debug. It's going to put the word in all caps, not, and debug. In the search box on a Windows machine, um, what do we type in? Windows, you do what? Yeah, I think it's Alt. It's isn't Control. It? Yes. Oh, it's Control. control. Okay. Yes. I don't know. I'm not a window. I'm not on a Windows. Alt. Box yes. Right now. Alt on Windows um, activates the menu above, not Splunk's menu, oh, okay. but it activates the application's own menu. So, like Alt P will actually print. Probably so it's control click. So control Windows. click, and it will knot it out in Windows, or really to exclude events from your search results. Control click. 
the terminal. And do you know what's really, really, really cool about it? Reload. It reloads. Awesome. Yeah, and now so I can hold the I can hold the button down whichever platform I'm on. Just click words in the in the different results. I click on them, boom, 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 debug, and then maybe my name if I don't want ones ones with my name. And it. it'll just keep putting not this, not that, not that. Just keep knotting them all together and keep filtering out those things until I get down to what I want. Yeah, I'll what... I'll bet um, I'll I'll bet your bottom dollar uh, the sun will come out tomorrow. I'll bet you when you do a not, it uses the cached results and filters those. Oh, that would be the smart way to do it. I think that's what we'd be. All right. Yeah. All right. Last and final segment. What did we learn this week? Which for the new user, new listeners, it's it's not necessarily, doesn't have to be stuff that's splunk. Matter of fact, if you have things, write into us. We'll tell you the email address. But what did you learn this week? Anything technical? Maverick, what do you got? Okay, so uh, so I really like the make MV command. I've been using that lately, and I've been realizing that we don't. It's so powerful, and we don't even get to use it. So, so make MV is a way to create your own field where you get to fill in what what is in that field. Okay, so it's like imagine just making a new field, putting the values you want. This comes in really really handy. I have found when I want to do look for this, but not, th- not this, right? When I have a data set where I want to make sure that the things I'm finding within my search, I want to make sure there's a certain values that I don't want. So it's t- kind of to the point you're saying, not this, not this, not that. I could create a field that has a bunch of fields in it, values in it that I want, and then I can do them, put them in sub-searches, and then they have one, uh, uh, do a set command and do a diff between the two. And that's what I've been doing lately to kind of to kind of have a list of, things that I compare, but, but not those other things. So if that makes sense, um, then wow, I can't believe it. But, um, but I love make MV to be able to just kind of manipulate and add in my own fields with my own values when I, when, when I need to, it comes in very handy. It's like every event just becomes its own little database pretty much, you know? Sort of. And then we have MV expand, MV uh, combine, which you can expand or contract them as uh, if you want them all on a separate event, and that—that's—that's that's whenever you can do the set command with that as well, and use that as a as a way of comparing contrast, as if they were actual events. Each of those words or values were an actual command. So I've, I really like um, kind of doing. It's a little more advanced, but I kind of like doing it with the make and V. So you should take a look and just practice and just see what you can do with, get creative with adding your own, um, your own your own fields when you need them. Do you have anything, Corey? I do. I learned. Uh, that I need to be not be lazy and actually read documentation. Really? Because apparently, if you skip step four and you end up on thirteen, it doesn't work. Wow. There you go. I love it. Read the doc. Read the docs. Follow the steps. Yeah. Especially for VMware app instructions, do that. Follow it because if you follow the instructions exactly, you you can get it working. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I was actually setting up some VMware stuff on a VMware stuff and. Did not read at all. Well, I like not reading. I'm a Mac user, so I expect things to just sort of work after years of reading. But sometimes it's beneficial. So, all right, well, all right. I got something cool. I got something very cool. Yeah. So lately, I've been um, attempting slowly, but I'm getting there. Is learning of learning Python. Okay, um, and I'm working on some lookups, some cool stuff for geospatial things, and and all of that. And uh, while this is related to Splunk only because I was working on something Splunk-related, this thing that I found um, doesn't matter, really. Splunk doesn't really matter here. But if you think about it, I'm developing locally, 
And uh, I got, you know, my, maybe I have my local Splunk server or whatever. Or not. I'm just writing code or building config files or whatever. And I need to get it on my server. Okay. Well, Splunk has this deployment server thing, which we still have to get it over there. And I don't really use deployment server that much. You got to deploy stuff. Um, okay. So I found this um, website called deploybutton.com. And uh, it's by these guys who make this um, calendaring thing called Lizzie, L-I-Z-I, which I'm trying to get my head around. Um, but I started monkeying around with deploy button, and it's quite cool. So really, it's very simple. You end up with a big red button where you can click the word deploy. But it will then, let's say, for example, take files from GitHub and deploy them on a node or nodes that you like, which is kind of cool. So um, the deployment might be maybe using Chef or using Capistrano or using SFTP or SSH, okay? So here's what I did. I took, um, I'm starting to use GitHub as a repository, like most developers use it, but I don't know if all Splunk people use it. But you get a GitHub account, create a repository, and maybe this repository is the name of my app, which is called GeoTools. So it's going to create a directory down on my computer called GeoTools, and I clone it. So I do all my work locally, and then I make a commit like a normal developer would in a, in a source code management. In this case, I'm not writing code. Maybe I'm doing maybe a Splunk app and configuring some stuff. So I do a commit. It's going to be stored up on GitHub.com in my project. Then I go over to Deploy button, and I uh, authenticate with my GitHub account. I pick the uh, GitHub repository or project that I want to uh, deploy, and then I pick a server and I give it. In this case, I gave it the username and password or SSH key to one of my servers in Amazon and clicked, boom, deploy. Mm -hmm. And it deployed it in the place that I wanted to, and it was sort of done. And the nice thing is cool. I make changes to GitHub and I, uh, I make changes to local code or local files. It gets synced up to GitHub. And then if I want to manually, I can click uh, deploy to deploy the code instantly. Boom. Or um, they're working on what's called a post-commit GitHub hook. So that means when I do a commit in GitHub, it'll automatically do a deploy. So it's a really cool thing. I thought it was a, a really awesome, simple, like wild, simple tool that I could just... Yeah. Big red button, click deploy, and automate a few steps without having to learn Chef or do all this other crap. So that's awesome. The deploy button is pretty cool. There's a nice little demo on deploybutton.com, and they're very helpful uh, as well. So check that out. All right. Can you deploy traps with it? Uh, you can deploy mines, and you can deploy armies of uh, zombies with it as well. Okay. So, um, all right. Um, Thanks for listening to another episode of Splunk Talk. If this is not your first time, if it is, thanks for chilling out with us for a while. Um, questions, comments, feedback. How do we do that? How do people get a hold of us? They send an email to splunktalk at splunk.com. Or where else can they go? Can they go to our Facebook page? Facebook page, Splunk Talk. Facebook.com. Uh, please go and like us. Yeah. Like it, you know you like us. Just like us on there. <laughs> Facebook.com slash Splunk Talk or Splunk Talk at Splunk.com. Um, we hear from folks at user conference, but never enough of our email or Facebook. So please let us know. Um, topics, suggestions, questions, and all that kind of stuff. And have a fabulous week. And happy. And as we as we like to say, happy, happy Splunk. Splunk.
That's gonna be a little. Oh, that was pathetic. Uh, listen, that's gonna be difficult to do with three people. So we can do a count. Okay, one, two, okay three. three, two, one. Happy, Happy splunking. splunking. Y'all better watch Y'all out now. now, because Splunk is about to take over.